It's time to get a bit messy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, football-loving friends from all over our world, welcome to episode six of the Getting a Bit Messy show here in the WECB studio. We are so excited because there is so, so much to discuss this week as there was a lot of chaotic action in both the league games at the weekend and also in the European Cup games during the week as we build up to the next international break after the next set of fixtures. And not only that, we have all three members of our staff here in the studio again tonight, so that's another fantastic thing we've got going. Since we've got a lot to get through this week, we're going to keep the intro nice and short just to remind you shortly to send any questions you have for the show or any general fan messages you want us to talk about in the show. Send those over to gettingabitmessy at gmail.com and we will do our best to feature some of our favorite messages on the show every week. We're going to change up the format a little bit this week, doing our normal breakdown matches first, but then we're going to take a short break right after that so that we leave ourselves some more time for the second half of the show that we had planned already. So without dilly-dallying any further, let's jump right in then. Nandan and Thomas, are the two of you ready to get a bit messy tonight in the studio? Meow, 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 meow. Awesome. So starting with the breakdown matches, let's jump right in with Newcastle and Arsenal, where it was Anthony Gordon, after a chaotic VAR review process, who gave Newcastle a one nothing win over Arsenal that gets them a massive result in the Premier League and also keeps Arsenal away from their coveted unbeaten run that they were on. Just general reactions first from this game, both Thomas and Nandan. Whoever wants to go first. Um, I can go first if you want, Thomas. Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm going to give you guys two perspectives. Um, one as a sensible fan and then one as a Chelsea fanatic. Um, from the sensible perspective, um, wow. Uh, this was definitely one of those. It was an interesting game. I'm going to be honest with you. I only started watching around like the 40th minute-ish, so I can't really speak for the first half. Um, but I will say it was very much like a cagey affair. Neither team seemed very willing to like jump at it, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the goal, obviously, as we said, very uh, contentious, and I think we'll give our thoughts on that goal a little later on. Um, but overall, I mean, credit to Newcastle. Honestly, it's one of those cagey games, an ugly game, not a good game by any means. They found a way to win, and that's kind of all you need at the end of the day. Uh, and as a Chelsea fanatic, I am... Over the moon with this results. Yeah, of course you um, so, are. Yeah. Hmm? Of course you are. Chelsea fan <laughs> watching Arsenal a, a, go down. A day, a day to look at Arsenal's failure is a Thomas, good day. Thomas, your reactions from the uh, Newcastle Arsenal game? Look, that game. I, I think I think this kind of uh, shows a bit of an issue I have recently. Is is and uh, I know we'll talk about Tottenham Chelsea later, but. Uh, refereeing and VAR once again at the center of of, of the discussion. Um, it was, it was a fun game, I'll be honest. I mean, um, it was a good uh, tight. You said it was cagey. Um, I think both uh, Gimaresh and probably Havertz probably should have seen red cards. Um, um, the the goal was a bit strange to me, and, and I apologize for my voice this week. I'm a little bit sick. But um, I, the, the goal uh, seemed a bit strange to me in every aspect of it. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I think Newcastle fans have a reasonable shout for why it should have stood under the clear and obvious rules. I uh, think that uh, Arsenal have a good shout that uh, are the rules here clear and obvious? Not really. Um, and I think you know that's a question of the rules more than anything. Um, and it's an absolutely great game. I think interrupted by a big moment of controversy where yet again we see the referees at the center of it. Yeah, um, I think unfortunate that referees are at the center of another massive game in the Premier League, but it's just the way the script has been going this season, hasn't it? Massive games have massive impacts on Premier League table and standings, and so those games are just more heated, more contested to begin with, and are forcing referees into some of those tougher decisions. Yeah, and that, it's also... Sorry. Go I mean, ahead, go I, ahead. I didn't mean to no, interrupt no, no, you. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to add, it's, it was kind of sad too, because you know, in a lot of these cagey kind of games, these huge games, a lot of times we say that it's usually decided by like a moment of brilliance or one moment of individual ability. Uh, but a lot of times nowadays it feels like it's being decided by one decision by yeah. the ref. So it's, it's a bit unfortunate. Yeah, it is a bit unfortunate, right? Where you feel like one major decision and it goes one team's way or the other. Um, but at the end of the day, like I was going to say, I think in this scenario, 
I do feel bad that referees are at are in the highlight again, but um, I don't at the same time because there were three different infractions that were reviewed in this VAR process. The first was the ball that went out of bounds over the goal line. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that picture. From different angles, it looks different, right? Mm -hmm. From angles, there are angles where it looks like the ball's still in play. From the majority of the angles that I saw, it looks like that's hanging just outside of the field of play. So I think they've gotten that one wrong right off the bat. Then the second one that they get wrong is I think that even though, like we talked about before, Gabrielle was already kind of going to ground with that kind of misdiving header or whatever that defensive motion was, but I think that they've genuinely missed Joe Ellington's arms in the back of his head because his arms weren't like just in the back. They were up like on his neck near the back of his head, which is already frowned upon to begin with. So I think they've missed those two. But then I think the offsides that they were reviewing on Gordon was just outrageous because yeah. there was no indication that he was anywhere near being offside. Yeah, um, I I will say with the uh, in the discussions on the put on the on the potential shove though, in my opinion, probably a two handed shove in the back. Um, I mean, we discussed about um, uh, 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 Gabriel already kind of going to towards the ground. Um, I was I was listening to a former defender talk about um, the motion that he's going through. It's basically the ball's you know aimed towards the net. And he's right in front of it. Mm-hmm. Any form of just general motion standing as he is, is either going to put it to the side or put it right in and just redirect it. So the reason sort of Gabriel stoops there is he's trying to get under the ball to be able to try to, try to, who knows if he'll be successful, flip, you know, get under the ball and try to redirect it over the goal. I do think, it. look, we can sit here and say that Jolinton's uh, push two-handed shove is a soft foul. I probably agree that it's a soft foul, but it is still a soft foul. Foul. It's still a foul, which at least to me, I feel like, you know, should have been ruled out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely one of those where I'm very 50-50 on it. You know what I mean? Um, it's definitely one of those where I'm a bit 50-50. I do see the argument for, you know, the complete hands out that is a foul. Um, and at the same time, I do also believe that he, because he was already going down, you can question the amount of contact, that, the effect it has. Um, but yeah, that's the thing is just at the end of the day, VAR should be able to come to a complete consensus on whether or not it's a foul or not. So I think the idea that they can be inconclusive is, is as you said, as we mentioned, it's a bit ridiculous. Right. The, uh, the clear and obvious didn't come into play like, like expected in that scenario. Anyways, Arteta was raging after the game, um, which I think was hilarious because, you know, you're all for VAR until it happens to you. And then as we've seen this season with pretty much every big club that's been affected by VAR at some point or another, except for Manchester City, that when it happens to you, you're finally up in arms about it and ready to make some change. But then when it's happening to your rivals, you're perfectly happy to say, you know, mistakes happen, let's mm-hmm. just play the game. And Arteta said exactly that, which like I think maybe two weeks ago, which is what makes this very funny. I was laughing at that as well. Yep. 100%. We're going to move on from this uh, Newcastle game, even though uh, Arsenal are going to be very disappointed about that result, to move on to disaster in Der Klassiker for Borussia Dortmund hosting Bayern Munich and losing by four goals to nil. Yeah, honestly, Connor, Thomas, um, I want to be surprised, but at the same time, I'm not. Um, because I think I was, as we were, I was as, as I was writing my prediction last week, I was thinking about this. I feel like every time there's the Klassiker, uh, no matter how good Dortmund may be at the time or no matter how bad Bayern may be, it always ends up in a drubbing in Bayern's favor. And I, I can't quite explain it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you said it yourself when I was doing my predictions last week. I was also hoping uh, for a bit of a miracle here. Uh, as I uh, predicted Dortmund, and uh, once again, that might have been more hope than it was actual realism. Uh <laughs> Because Dortmund have shown, once again, that they can play a Bayern team that gets bounced by a third division team. The first, <laughs> like, not, you know, not even uh, a fully professional side in Germany, as we should remember. And Dortmund still can't beat this team. Uh, it, it's, and at least we don't have, you know, uh, any VAR or any form of refereeing to blame for this. There's no fingers to point except for the fact that Dortmund just, no just matter what they do, the pitch. They, they just, always behind. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad case for Borussia Dortmund because I feel like no matter how good they end up being in any given season, no matter what kind of runs that they go on in terms of unbeaten runs, 
or like runs of home form, no matter what, once you play Bayern Munich, all of that comes com- comes to a crashing halt. Yeah, and you come back to earth again and realize that oh no, we're not the best team in Germany. <laughs> Bayern's still around. Yeah, they just they just never looked like they'd get anything going. To be honest, um, it was kind of. It was almost like there was no belief from the start that they could get anything out of this. And that's what almost irritates me about this Dortmund team. Is so many different years they've been this close to that Bundesliga title. For Marco Roy specifically, who I feel very bad for. And they just, I don't know. I think it needs to be studied, definitely. I do feel bad for Marco Royce, But uh, at the same time, Dortmund only have themselves to blame for this loss, like we said. Mm-hmm. They found themselves 2-0 down within 10 minutes in this game after early goals from Dio Upamakano and Harry Kane uh, gave gave Bayern that early lead. And then Harry Kane added two more goals in the second half to complete a hat-trick for himself. He is scoring goals for fun at the moment in this Bayern side and looking really good while doing it. I don't know if you guys saw any of those strikes or not, but he's just been world-class recently. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he's, he has, I think, 15 goals in 10 Bundesliga games. Yeah. Uh, he's currently on track, if he keeps this pace up, to score uh, 51 goals, I believe it is. Uh, yeah, by the break end of Lewandowski's record. Yeah, he's he's shattering Lewandowski's Bundesliga legacy in, in a season. I mean, Jesus. Hey, he's got to stay injury-free, though. That's we can't true. Get, we can't get carried away. He's got to stay knock-free. If he picks up even just a small knock, that could hinder his chances of... Mm-hmm. Uh, of chasing that record even further. Let's uh let's move on from this embarrassment for Dortmund and their classicer because I think this next game is going to take a little while here. Let's move on to a ludicrous London derby <laughs> between Tottenham and Chelsea. Uh, oh my days. Where do we even begin? So far you have to say this may have been the game of the season. Um, there's not many other games that come close to it in terms of just raw like entertainment factor, I think. So to, to begin, let's just go through some of the first half statistics, shall we? In total, in the first half of football, there were 17 minutes of VAR reviews in total. Five yellow cards handed out, if you include the one issued to Tottenham coach Ange Postacoglu. Four disallowed goals. Three first-half substitutions made, two real goals scored, two injuries to Tottenham players, one red card, and one penalty awarded. Wow. I don't even know where to begin, to be honest. I mean, this this was a Hollywood script straight out. I, I don't even know. Even myself, I, I think the first six minutes or so, the first maybe ten minutes were fairly normal. It looked like the average game, uh, you know, a very tense North London derby. Uh, and then I think everything, I think it was the Dennis Udogi, uh, he, he flew into a tackle on Sterling. Uh, I think that's what kick-started everything. I think that, uh, until that time, Chelsea looked rattled. Spurs looked like they were completely dominant. There was some attacking play in there, which was beautiful. Um, and I think after the Son goal that was disallowed and after that Udogi tackle, I think Chelsea woke up after that, and it really, it just all chaos ensued. That's I was about to ask you, Thomas. I'm not going to lie. I was worried about uh, Chelsea's chances in this game once Sun scored and put Tottenham 2-0 up, but then VAR pulled Sun's goal back. How did you feel? Were you worried about Chelsea in that situation when they were 2-0 down and Tottenham were firing in all cylinders? Yeah, I mean, you were just sort of waiting for Sun to score another two minutes later. Um, it looked like it was just, um, uh, you know, teeing up for what was to come. And I, I do agree. I think that in Adogi, uh yellow card, um, I think it woke Chelsea up. I mean, this has always been a fiery affair, but um, ever since the sort of battle at Stamford Bridge, this has really been a very lively affair. I think everyone will remember, but it's hard to forget the fact that um, the Tuchel versus Conte mm-hmm. showdown was one year ago. That was last year. <laughs> Everyone remembers that those incidents. Oh that infamous um, handshake at the end of the, the match. The handshake. Look at me. Conte. Look at the me. Uh, refusal to pull, you know, to give Romero a red card for the hair pull. Mm. Well, uh, I guess you could say karma has come back because, uh, <laughs> you know, I you know say what you want about about this. Uh, I think something that's uh, been missing from these stats actually is the fact that there was, I believe, three or uh, not three, not four. Five different reviews for violent conduct, straight reds in this first half as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so this game was always going to be a fiery affair. And um, while, while uh, Tottenham have obviously been the better team this season, uh, it looked like Chelsea, after that moment, remembered what this game has been like for the last couple of years and finally, finally started stepping up to the moment. Yeah, and can I just say, uh, watching Chelsea over the past year or so, this was, I think, the first game in maybe two or three years where I've seen Chelsea go into a position where their back is against the wall and I've seen them fight back and really show like character and resolve. Uh, so that was really, I, I, I was happy to see that at the end of the day, um, that kind of character, and that's what we need. Well, their back wasn't against the wall for very long with the uh, <laughs> red cards that were handed out. They kind of got bailed out with uh, with some of those. Um, I wouldn't say bailed out. They they definitely, the red cards were deserved, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know. Mm-hmm. Fair um, play, yeah. Get out of jail free card when the other team is just throwing in horrendous tackles I, and getting themselves I will say this, off. however. That seems like a, a tackle Romero puts in about five times a game and never even gets oh, a yellow. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. I, I th- I've always thought those deserve reds, but I was mm-hmm. baffled when they gave it because it's like, that seems to be the standard Romero, doesn't it? Uh, he, he seems to do about two th- violent conduct pieces a game. I've never seen him sent off. I, I saw a, sat, a stat. I think, Connor, you mentioned this too, that Christian Romero, I think since the start of last season, has four red cards, I believe it is, and has given away five penalties, I think, which is the most of any player in that time period. Yeah, it uh, gave birth to a very nice meme that I saw over the weekend that was the uh, somebody in a Spurs jersey that was just like Romero whenever he sees somebody, or when, Romero whenever he sees Sterling. And it was the quote from Roy Keane where it was like, do you know what? I think I might just knock in somebody just to make me feel better. <laughs> so that's how Romero feels whenever he's uh, sitting as the anchor in a uh, four-back formation. Um, so Cole Palmer obviously was the one to pull Chelsea back level with a penalty after that Romero red card. Oh yeah. By the way, we forgot to mention the first half lasted 57 minutes mm-hmm. and the Fif- ball wasn't even in play the entire time. Either, right. right. 57 minutes of first half football. And then there were what? Nine minutes of added time in the second half. And I think it went into 10 finally. by the Yeah. Time the so time. in, in total, we had what? 111 minutes of football. In this match? I mean, what? Uh, I, I will say I saw a report that came out that said, despite being uh, one of the longest Premier League games in memory, um, there was actually, the ball was only in play, I think, almost 40% of it. I think it was about 46%, if I remember correctly. Oh, I don't, wow. which is I don't doubt it. one of the lowest wow. in recorded history. Wow. Wow. That was, it, it was definitely, it was more of, it felt more like a, an MMA match than a football game at times. That Honestly, was, I loved it. I loved it too. It was, it was pure entertainment, pure vibes. So this, uh, this game was obviously pure vibes, very back and forth until Nicholas Jackson broke through Tottenham's <laughs> nine-man, nine-man defensive high line. Their 0-1-7 formation. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Listen, I love the heart and desire that Ange was trying to show with his players there. But listen, man, if you go down to nine men against a team that has, listen, Chelsea's not the best team in the Premier League. but We're a fast team. But they're a fast team, and they have some individual quality that if you play a high line with nine men, Chelsea are going to find their moments to, to pick out chances. I'm going to disagree with you here, Connor. I, I, think, I think the strategy very, very nearly worked. I think their idea was they didn't want to sit in. They wanted to continue to try to press and attack. And they were, uh, let's be honest, Chelsea were giving away stupid, stupid free kicks in their mm-hmm. own half, and it almost paid off. I mean, Eric Dyer was, what, maybe maybe less than a meter away from uh, scoring an yep. absolute screamer, puts it into the top left of the net, absolutely nothing um, uh, that, uh, that the goalkeeper can do about it. And it was just offsides, but they showed the plan, and from then on, every single uh, free kick, they looked dangerous. I think it was... Um, then uh, Bentancor had a free open header in the box, just missed it. But he he had the thing, he had the completely chance. If um, the tire was on side, if uh, if he had not miscued it completely unprompted, that would have been a three-two win for Tottenham. And so I think I think there's a high risk, high reward there. But um, and you know that's of course presuming they don't get caught on these breaks after. But I think I think they they set up for chances, and I think they got them. I'm going to take a stance sort of in the middle of you two there. Where What I will say is um, their game plan, I see where it came from. Because this Chelsea team, they're young. They're very, you know, immature for lack of a better word. And so 
taking a team which thrives on those balls down the flank and forcing them to play all the way up with that high line, I think it almost reversed psychology them a little, and they tried to force it a lot of times. I saw, was it? I think it was Reese James a lot of times. I'd see him try and dump a ball long really early without any kind of run coming in. It kind of just, they look lost at times. But at the same time, uh, I think it is a bit um, ridiculous to sit here and act like it was a genius tactic because you can argue that the Eric Dyer goal that happened um, a couple of other chances, you could argue those make it three goals for Tottenham. But let's not forget that if Nicholas Jackson had just a bit more finishing ability... (laughs) He would have finished the game with at least six goals. That's, yeah, but he doesn't. That's, that's what I was. That's <laughs> well, what again, I was sitting here is, waiting. It's a, it's a game of what ifs that we're playing. That's here, what I was so. sitting here waiting to say. Once the two of you finish your points in the argument, is like, not not for nothing, but this game could have easily been like six, seven, eight, one to Chelsea if Nicholas Jackson knew how to finish in front of goal. Do you think Tottenham do this against Man City though? Like, like if in the same situation. No. Exactly. I think they're planning on Nico Jackson absolutely sucking, and he showed up. Well, he still scored right, a hat trick. That's, that's actually that's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I kind of see where he's coming from now. I sort of see it, but I still don't think we should be praising him as like a manager at, of the year. At the end of the day, I think what happened was is Andrew was just trying for those players. He just wanted for the rest of the game, despite being down to nine men, for them to play one hundred and ten percent balls to the wall, like everything they have for that game. You know. I, I think he was expecting them to lose, and I think he wanted a showing for the fans to show. Yeah, like, this is yeah. this is not Tottenham of old, who I think would have sat in and would have given up. Yeah, on this you game. know, like they, I also think I also think the game plan is also different. If maybe the game is at Stamford Bridge instead of at Tottenham yeah. Hotspur Stadium, I, I think he won the fans, and I personally I think he won the heart of the players in the with this yeah, tactic. I agree with that's that. Fair. That's fair. You know what? That's fair. It. That's fair. My thing is here. Actually, I'll let I'll, let's move on a little bit because I think this is a com- a point I want to bring up a little bit later. Okay. In this right. game. In well, this game. Okay. So <laughs> the only other thing I have to bring up from this game is that despite Nicholas Jackson missing a multitude of easy chances, he did score a hat trick on the day. And that is why Chelsea won 4 1. Mm-hmm. He did manage to finish three of those chances. But after finishing the third chance, Nicholas Jackson, after missing, <laughs> missing a group of sitters all day long, Scoring his third goal, runs to the corner flag and hits Cristiano Ronaldo's Sue celebration. <laughs> and I was like, listen, man, I get it. You're a striker that's struggling for form, but you've just completed a hat trick of tap ins against nine men <laughs> Tottenham. He, he practically scored an under nines hat trick uh, with the way they were playing. I feel like I could have put my dead grandmother in front of goal and she would have <laughs> scored the same. If they keep pinging this off for Ern, I think they would have scored about as many <laughs> as he did. You know, I, I have one working knee right now. I think I still, if you put me in that Chelsea front line, I think I could have grabbed the hat trick against Tottenham, <laughs> personally. Right. Now, now, what was the last thing you wanted to say about this yeah, game before um, we move on to some uh, Champions League action? I, I just wanted to say really quickly that, you know, um, you can say that Chelsea played awful and that, you know, we needed... 17 different through balls to score, but I and just I want will. to remind <laughs> I just re- want to remind everyone that Spurs were in this exact situation against Liverpool I think maybe three weeks ago where they were playing 11 v 9 and it took and a VAR jo- went the other direction Yeah, for them. It, they had the they had this exact same situation favoring them and it took a 94th minute Joel Matip own goal for them to even win 2-1 and we won 4-1 so all I'm going to say uh, is karma does its thing, and, you know. All I have to say to Christian Romero is cry at home. <laughs> cry at home. All, all, I'll have to, all I'll have to say to the referees is, since that game, you said you were going to try to stay out of the controversy. Poorly done. Yep. Yeah. Very poorly done since the Liverpool Spurs controversy. It's just gone from bad to worse, unfortunately, mm. in the Premier League. Hey, speaking of going from bad to worse. <laughs> oh, what a fantastic no. segue to talk about Manchester United's trip to <laughs> Copenhagen in the Champions League. So let's break this one down. Final score from that match. If you were not aware, Man United did lose in the Champions League and made their hopes of qualifying for the round of 16 a little bit more difficult after going down 4-3 to Copenhagen. Rasmus Hoyland got on the end of a Scott McTominay cross inside the first three minutes. It was a beautiful team goal. He went on to add another before the halfway mark, and United were absolutely cruising until Marcus Rashford was sent off by a very controversial foul. 
as much as I am a Liverpool fan and like to see United's downfall, I will say that I think this one was a bit harsh on Rashford. I'm not entirely sure that he deserved red here. I think it's one of those orange cards for me, Mm. you know, where it's kind of like a stamp off the ball. So if you stamp off the ball, you might get called for it. What are your What are your opinions on it? I think this is where it comes into is the the term they use is he endangered the safety of an opponent. This this is what I think is like sort of like fifty fifty to me about it is does the challenge endanger the safety of the opponent? Yes, it does. That that's yes, it does. but does he, Marcus Rashford, endanger the safety? Because that feels like implies like a form of, you know, maliciousness mm. to it. Is It's, you know, there's sort of, we've seen similar ones where like sometimes a player rolls over the top of a ball where the challenge itself is completely reasonable and then the challenge goes into it. Does the challenge endanger the opponent? Absolutely. Does does his decision to make the challenge endanger them by nature of it? Not really. I don't, th- I don't think so. And that's why I think the cha- is the challenge independent of him? And of course, it can't really be independent of him. Is a challenge itself a red card? Yeah, probably. Does he go into it with the with malicious intent? Does it, is it violent conduct? Is it any of it, you know, reasonable for him as a player to have done anything worthy of a red card other than a freak accident, probably? No, I don't think he does. Yeah, honestly, I I do think it's uh, I do feel for Rashford a little bit. I do think that um, I think I noted when you watch it in you know regular play, it doesn't look it looks very like a regular play that happens. You know, he's shielding the ball, he sticks his leg out. Uh, when you watch it over, you it does you know his ankle. He's not staring at the ball at the at the leg at all. He sticks his leg out, catches his ankle. I think. For that, it is. I think it's reckless, but I don't think it's malicious. So I think it definitely, as you said, Thomas. I do think watching it, it is a red by contact, but it's not intentional. Yeah, I will say you used an interesting word there, reckless, which is actually one of the <laughs> determining factors for giving a red card. Yeah, isn't it? I thought. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I was pretty sure it was um, reckless, but not malicious. It's like there's reckless and there's malicious. Yeah, I think it'll be the difference between. It'll be like the difference in the ban. Yeah. Mm. The ban <laughs> it'll be the difference in the ban. I think it'll be more likely a two game ban than it'll be a three game. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a long ban. No. Um, but definitely, I, I do feel for him. He will be missed in these uh, very, very crucial games coming mm. up for Manchester United against Cop- uh, against Galatasaray at home and then, Bayern uh, and then Bayern. Is? Wait, no. Is Galatasaray? Yeah, you Galatasaray know, no, Galatasaray is, Galatasaray is in, Istanbul. in Istanbul. It's in Istanbul. I meant uh, Galatasaray at home. They do have Bayern statement. at Old Trafford, though, yeah. so maybe they can pull off a miracle there. They'll hope for that. But like we said, Eric Ten Hag's seat is going to remain incredibly hot despite the reports that there's still endless support for him at Old Trafford. Um, if I'm honest, I'm not sure why at this point. It's not looking great. I don't see why they keep backing him and backing him and backing him besides maybe just a list of injuries that they have this season. Um, Bruno Fernandez gave United the lead from the penalty spot off of a double handball with 30 minutes left to play. Surely they'll hold on and take back second place now. Right? Right? Wrong. <laughs> and United bottled it as Lucas Larayer catches Diogo Dallo sleeping at the back post to equalize in the 84th minute. And then Varane gave the ball away in his own third after United failed to clear a cross into the box. And a teenager, a teenage prospect from Copenhagen with the first name Rooney, Sound familiar, Man United fans? <laughs> With the first name Rooney, last name Bargy. I think that's how you pronounce that. Bar- I believe it's Bargy. Bargy? Bargy. Yeah. Excuse me for my pronunciation on that. Smashed a left-footed volley home, though, past Andre Onana off the floor. Perfect striker's finish. Um, if you haven't seen the highlights, United now dropped to last place in the Champions League group, sitting a point behind both Copenhagen and Galatasaray. Given that they still have to play Bayern, like we said, United effectively need to beat Galatasaray in Turkey to even have a chance at Europa League. Yes, I believe. Let alone the, I round believe. Of 16 yes, I believe the conversation we had was um, presuming they lose to Bayern, which is uh, somewhat an easy presumption. I guess I've I've learned against betting against Bayern now, <laughs> haven't we? Um, if United beat Galatasaray, which will be a very difficult task in Istanbul, but if they beat Galatasaray, 
while they are playing Bayern, they need either both Galatasaray and Copenhagen to draw against each other for a chance to go through. If either one of those teams go through and then proceed to either lose their game against Man United or Bayern, they still go through on point one point ahead of uh, Manchester United. So they need they need at least a win. And if uh, the big benefit would it be if they get a draw against Bayern? If not, they need Copenhagen and Galatasaray to draw each other. Speaking of a tight Champions League group, let's move on to where AC Milan have made things incredibly interesting in the group of death after getting a 2-1 result against PSG. Do you want to say something about the last game first? Yeah, can I bring up something real quick? I I just saw this uh, about an hour ago. I thought it was really funny. I don't know if you guys, you probably probably saw this uh, in Copenhagen's in the parking, I believe it is. I I forget the stadium they play in. Uh, Their fans put up a large banner uh, that said, "quote uh, This is your theater of nightmares," yeah. and it had uh, Red Devil like cry- kind of crying yep. in his bed yep. with Copenhagen one United. No. Yeah, they called they called their stadium the theater of nightmares for Manchester United mm-hmm. as a play yeah. on words for their theater of dreams at Old Trafford. Yep, and the red and then Red Devil crying crying was actually a perfect picture picture because um, Garnacho shushed yep. shushed the uh, the Copenhagen fans after that Bruno Fernandez penalty to go up three two. And was seen crying on the pitch and having to be helped up by his Man United players afterwards. So, theater of nightmares for Garnacho at least. All right, we are going to move on now and talk about the Milan PSG result, where, like I said, things have gotten incredibly interesting in the group of death now. Wow, Milan won this game 2 1. Who would have had that one on their bingo cards after a uh, bit of a drop in form, you have to say, for Milan? Rafael Leao hadn't scored in 10 competitive games for club or country going into this game, ended up scoring a quickly taken bicycle kick from inside the six-yard box. So that was good to see Leao back in the goals and kind of with a smile on his face again because when Leao plays with a smile on his face, he is one of the best football players in the world currently. Um, And I don't mean that lightly. Um, AC Milan fans also had a bit of fun before the game started with Gianluigi Donnarumma who left the club over two years ago now to join Paris Saint-Germain, and they feel that he's betrayed them. So they printed thousands and thousands of fake dollar bills with his face on them and the phrase Dollaruma, and then showered Gianluigi Donnarumma with those fake bills in the goal prior to kickoff. What are your guys' opinions on that? I'm loving it, honestly. Um, I think... It's definitely an interesting uh, point to bring up because while you do want a player to stay and be loyal, and I do think Donnarumma had a chance to be a club legend if he stayed at Milan, it's also the question of, you know, if if you get offered a job with a double the salary, are you going to deny it? So I think it's an interesting position. I personally love the banter. I think it's it's fair enough. Um, and, yeah, another point to bring up, Christian Pulisic uh, pulled up late in the game, which was yep. a slight worry, but it seems like it'll be a minor sprain, I think it was, so he should be fine. But yeah, honestly, massive result for Milan. Um, the way it was going, uh, PSG looked to be you know, locking down the, one of those top two spots. It would have been a really bad spot for Milan going to those last two games. Uh, and the resolve they showed, Olivia Giroud, again, crucial moment, pure incredible header. A classic um, Olivier Giroud classic. header at the back post, you have to it's, say. It's a classic go-kart goal, if you will. Um, that's blown the group wide open. Uh, massive result overall. Thomas, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I agree completely. And I think on that goal, it shows, in my opinion, you use the term resolve for Milan, which I agree completely with. I think it shows the lack of organization in this PSG team. Um, leading up to the goal, of course, uh, there's a cross in. Laf- uh, Rafael Leao reaches out for it. Makes the world's lightest contact. Um, um, I think it was. I believe it was with Hakimi, and I can be corrected if I'm wrong. Um, but I believe it was with Hakimi, the world's lightest contact, traditional contact for a striker going for goal. He waits about four seconds, and is the center PSG center back tells him to go down. He falls over. Then they throw their hands. A ball still in play. Milan still on attack. PSG players stop the game, and even Giroud looks over at the referee to see if he's going to stop the game. Why would he? he no, so they stop playing. Then the cross comes in. Giroud scores, and the uh, and the PSG players are absolutely losing it at the referee. 
I don't understand this at all. I think it's it's amateurish. Um, it reminds me in a weird way of um, some issues Barcelona had in 2017, 2018, mm. when we think about them on those, um, whether it's in the, the corner European kicks against games. Roma or Liverpool when they would just be uh, looking at each other to see, you know, without any form of real organization. They look like amateurs, and yet they are in second place, ready to go through, go through with uh, Dortmund right now, somehow top in the group. But everyone's within three points of each other, so I think it'll be absolutely interesting to see who tops this. Yeah, Mbappe absolutely. on Thursday nights, I will be there no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, that would be incredible to see. Dortmund leading that group with seven points, Paris Saint-Germain with six points, Milan with five, and Newcastle with four. So anybody could truly go through the round of 16 in that group. We are going to take a short break now. Um, here in the WECB studio, but we will be right back to bring you all the quickfire notes and results from around the European leagues, as well as our honker of the week coronation for this week and the predictions at pace for this this week's upcoming matches. We've got a fantastic docket of games, so don't go anywhere. And we are back on the Getting a Bit Messy show here in the WECB studio. We are going to jump in and read some of these quickfire notes from around the games from the European leagues and the bigger European competitions during the midweek. So, Nandan, take us away with Saturday's matches. Yep, we'll get right into Saturday. So, starting off with the Premier League, uh, Fulham no, Man United won. Uh, this was, of course, before their collapse against Copenhagen. They picked up, um, a barely picked up a win against a fairly unimpressive Fulham team. Uh, with Bruno Fernandes coming up with an, um, a clutch goal in entry time. Uh, moving on, Brentford 3, West Ham United 2. West Ham came back from 1-0 down originally after Neil Mope had bagged an early goal. Thanks, um, And West Ham came, went ahead through some goals from Bowen and Kudus. But then conceded an own goal to let them get level. And after that, Nathan Collins scores the winner for Brentford. They continue to push into the top half of the Premier League, sitting in ninth. Uh, great result for them to come back and show that resolve. Moving on, Burnley nil, Crystal Palace 2. Burnley continue to struggle in the Premier League. They now sit tied at bottom, only ahead on goal differential. You have to question, is Vincent Company to blame, or is this squad just not up to Prem standard? Yes, I, they had a very difficult start for their teams, but big I question. Think, I think it's just the squad. I don't think it's Company's fault. I think mm-hmm. overall the squad isn't up to Premier League standard. Standard, Interesting, given anyway. they scored what they were over a hundred their Centurions yeah. last year in the championship. But anyway, go ahead. Anyway, Everton won. Brighton won. Everton tying Brighton. Um, thank goodness this wasn't a prediction match because if I had it my way, oh my god, I would have had that wrong. But Deutsch Ball is well and truly in session. Deutsch Ball, Deutsch Ball, Deutsch Ball. <laughs> Moving on, Man City 6, Bournemouth 1. No surprises here. Man City drop a scintillating performance on Bournemouth. Very rough day at the Etihad for them. Jeremy Doku with a, a goal and then four assists. Uh, he joins a very exclusive list of players to do that. Uh, incredible performance from him. Uh, hats off to anyone who captained him in FPL. Uh, and finally for the Prem, uh, Sheffield United 2, Wolves 1. Sheffield United picking up their first win of the season. That's their first? Their first yeah, win. Yeah, I believe their first win of the season. They had or one at of least the... their first uh, at home. Yep. No, no, their first period. Uh, they had gone their first 10 games without a win. Ah. It was one of the worst starts to yep. the season. Well, good for them. And yep. they've done it against the Wolves team that have been giant killers this mm-hmm. season. So, Yep, moving on. La Liga, Osasuna 2, Girona 4. Girona continue to star. They find themselves top of the league by two points and have scored six more goals than Real Madrid in the league. Uh, incredible season and possible underdog story. Great it's, for them. It's Girona. Girona, what do you mean we're they're scoring about? more goals in the league than Real Madrid. <laughs> Relegation fodder Girona. Uh, anyway, moving on, Real Betis beating Mallorca 2-0. Uh, Betis have been quietly, you know, doing well here with a very nice re- renaissance. Uh, they've pushed himself up to sixth in the Liga with Isco doing incredible, I believe, eight men of the matches so far. Yeah, I was about to say, it's not uh, Betis that are having the renaissance. Yeah, I, I know that, that was my bad. Yep. Uh, but great for Isco, happy He's for him. He's been unreal this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, Real Sociedad nil, Barcelona won. A very close call for Barcelona. Uh, it was a very cagey game for 92 minutes before Ronald Araujo netted the crucial winner to keep Barca pushing at the top. Uh, switching over to Serie A in Italy, 
Uh, Salernitina nil, Napoli two. Napoli with a solid result, and they now move up to fourth, one point behind Milan. Uh, after that, Atalanta one, Inter two. Atalanta now lead the league after Lataro's game winner sinks Atlanta, and it pushes them all the way up to the Serie A summit. Uh, interesting result for them. Moving on, Milan nil, Udinese one. Wow. Oof. Terrible start for Milan. A tough one there. Fans were calling for Pioli's head after this one. Uh, honestly, just a real slump for them of late. Leao not turning up. Um, just not looking good for them. That was before the Champions League yes. game, by the way. I'm, that we I must had clarify. wrote that, that Leao wasn't turning up much. Uh, he made you eat your words there. <laughs> he uh, did, indeed. Finally, moving on to the Bundesliga. Hoffenheim 2, Leverkusen 3. Leverkusen have been so impressive under Xabi Alonso. Uh, they're now, I think, 15 wins, one draw in 16 games, fully unbeaten. Uh, the mentality and composure on display in his players is world class. Uh, where do you guys see Alonso next, though? Big question. Uh, it depends. Depends where the opening pops up first. If it pops open at Real Madrid, I could see him being a Real Madrid manager, potentially. If it pops open at Liverpool after Klopp leaves, then I could very much see Xabi Alonso being the next Liverpool manager. Yeah, and I want to I want to point out a stop by the way about Leverkusen this season. Not only uh, th- that, in 15 appearances in all competitions, they have 54 goals already. That is insane. Unreal. That is insane. Anyway, moving on, Mainz to Leipzig nil. Wow, that one's gonna sting for Leipzig. Uh, hopefully, they're gonna turn around the Champions League though, right? Right. Absolutely, absolutely. Moving on, Union Berlin nil, Frankfurt three. Union Berlin, man, can't do anything right now. Another loss at home, and I think twelve losses this season, uh, twelve in a row. Um, not looking good for a team that secured Champions League football for this season. Yeah, and then uh, after this league game for them against Frankfurt, uh, they were going to Napoli on the road in the Champions League. So we'll get to that one in a little bit. Yep, and that's all I had for Saturday. Thomas, you want to take us into Sunday? Absolutely. We're going to start ourselves off in the Premier League. Uh, not too much to talk about here. We did have Luton 1, Liverpool 1. Uh, what do you, baffling, I was going to say, what do you mean? Liverpool drew Luton Town, man. Yeah. I mean, this was a bit of a baffling game. Uh, man, a Man United product, uh, Tahith Chong, uh, was subbed on and scored for Luton Town off of a Honestly, really, really well-constructed counterattack. And uh, Liverpool looked absolutely dead in the water until 90th minute, plus five, classic Liverpool. Uh, Luis Diaz scored a very, very late uh, goal off of, I believe, a Harvey Elliott cross that just wasn't dealt with. The the centre-back seemed to lose track of it. Uh, uh, and Luis Diaz, of course, dedicated uh, to his father, who I believe, as we were, as was, we're doing this, has been released. I was mm-hmm. about to say, update on Luis Diaz's father for anybody that was concerned. He has been released um, by the captors in Colombia and is now back safely with his family. So great news there for uh, Luis Diaz. Absolutely. Um, going back to the game uh, briefly, um, the only other note really was that Van Dyke had a head, headed the ball and it seemed to strike a, a, a hand in the box. Um, listen, I could be 50 on listen, this. I know you might have different opinions on this. Listen, I'm going to try to make this quick because we're already at 945, but all I'm going to say is that we saw literally the exact same play that happened here with Van Dyke's header hitting an arm. We saw this exact same scenario play out in the Copenhagen versus Man United game and the penalty was given. Mm, so. True. I just want the laws to be consistent. That's all yeah. I'm asking for. I think that's all all of the fans are asking for with VAR is just have some have some dang consistency. Like it's fine if you make mistakes, but just for 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 the love of God, just keep the rules consistent. Mm. Anyways, go on. I'm sorry. May I I'll get carried away. Neener, neener, neener. <laughs> all right, We're going on to Nottingham Forest too. Aston Villa nil. Ain't no way. You just neener, neener, neenered me. <laughs> Oh, that was such a disappointing <laughs> performance for Liverpool, but I did not need that on top of it. Thank you, Thomas. Um, going on to Nottingham Forest 2, Aston Villa nil. Odd, odd, odd game. Um, Forest continue their impressive home performances this season, which have really grounded them so far. Uh, but they bested Unai Emery's Villa side, which um, they have looked really good this season. I think, uh, I of course, Nottingham Forest have looked good at home this, this season, but I, I don't think I'm the only one when I say this seemed a bit of a shock. Um 
Going on to La Liga, speaking of shocks, Real Madrid nil. Rayo Vacana nil. That's right. Real Madrid did not score, and neither did Jude Bellingham. Yeah, but we said last week on the show, didn't we, with Will, that Rayo Vallecano had the potential to be giant killers, oh, right. and now they've gone into that, the Bernabeu and drew Real Madrid. Absolutely. <laughs> I will say, though, historically, when I say giant killers, Rayo Vallecano are the type to win a 4-3 game. Nil-nil, a good defensive performance from them. A bit of a shock, but really, really impressive from Vallecano. Um Let's see here. Uh, going over to Syria, Roma two, Lecce and one. Roma complete complete an absolutely insane injury time comeback uh, with Asman in the ninetieth ninetieth uh, plus one, and who else but Big Rom in the ninetieth plus four? Uh, he's on an incredible run of going scoring this right now. Lukaku. <laughs> Cagliari 2, Genoa 1. Cagliari here now 10 matches unbeaten. And no, not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, I, said, I, was, I was about to say, this, this This was a typo for me. It was actually Bologna now who are 10 matches unbeaten in Serie A with manager Tiago Mota. So I was ignore to, that. I was going to say, as I was reading that out loud, I was like, wow, that's odd. <laughs> <laughs> it's managing two teams, not, not, not often. Anyways, anyways, Cagliari beat Genoa 2-1, and that's that's pretty yes. much the note. Now, the, big, the biggest game of the week for me, Fiorentina nil, Juventus won. That's right. I have got a prediction right. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only one, and I've got it right on the point. Juventus getting very, very scrappy win on the road um, against a, a looking pretty decent Fiorentina side, still second in Serie A, and if I'm honest, this was kind of a classic Juventus win. Um, going over to the Bundesliga real quick, we have Heidenheim to Stuttgart nil. Holy moly. This is the Heidenheim, by the way, that drew Dortmund earlier for the first Ooh. ever point in history. Uh, <laughs> Stuttgart uh, it's hit another bump who are trying to push into the Bundesliga, to, uh, into the, push into the top part of the Bundesliga. They have certainly been hindered by the last couple of fixtures here. Yep. Um, and uh, despite having absolutely great goal scoring, Heidenheim, incredible win here. I think they have looked absolutely excellent in the MLS playoffs. Now this of course is not our traditional um, uh, pl- place to speak on. Of course football is this no, is football, this is, is, life this ter- is football is life territory. But, so a, a apology in advance to the football is life yes. boys but we saw this incident in the Vancouver LAFC game and we just had to mention it on our show because we think it is honker worthy. Oh yes, this is impossible not to talk about in the world of football. Vancouver nil, LAFC one. Now they were playing. Uh, I believe they do a best of three series, and yes. Vancouver needed at least a draw to be able to push push through here. Yep. They have a they have a corner at the very 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 last kick of the game. Their final attack to try to get a chance. Uh, goes in, ball bounces out. A player rushes onto it with a pretty reasonable shot at strike. Midfielder Re- winds up to take the shot, and the referee Re- trucks him. Absolutely, bodies bodies the player going to take a shot. Now the now the the players start to lose it. Uh, they try to recover. LAFC win it on the counter attack. Go all the other way. Uh, go all the way down. The goalkeeper had come up for the corner, so it's an empty net. They should they pass it off at the last minute, forgetting a cardinal rule of. Uh, of the offsides, which is that you need two defenders, defenders back, behind the ball. not one, which everyone always forgets about the goalkeeper. They score. No one knows it's on offsides. The, the, the assistant referee misses it. The main referee misses it. All of the players surround him. They're absolute, They're uh, pushing him, which uh, which we should state right now is uh, completely uh, inappropriate for the players. Not however, however, the, the manager then gets sent off for a straight red. Absolute pandemonium, and though the rule does get ruled, a uh, goal does get ruled out as an eventual offside. The counter the attack from Vancouver was stopped anyways, and per- ends their season entirely. I have just two quick points on that. One, okay. I don't know what you guys are talking about. That was a perfect screen. Um, <laughs> the NBA could use him. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, the NBA needs a new center. He's as yep. good as an NBA ref. <laughs> the the Celtics use a backup right now, but also. Um, I don't think LAFC or Carlos Vela specifically understand that rule because I believe they have the same thing happen last year too. Yes, they have not learned. This happened the exact same way last year. Of goalkeeper up, cannot remember for the life of them. The the players either have to be behind the ball or two players once again. One hundred percent. We're gonna move on to Monday. We've already covered the main attraction of Monday, which was the Premier League fixture between Tottenham and Chelsea. However. I have something to mention from the Czech 10th division, which is that all 16 players of a club were booked in the 82nd minute of their match. Why, you ask? Why did all 16 players of a club get booked? 
they all simultaneously took their shirts off, celebrating their consolation goal, despite allowing the other team to score six on the day. (laughs) So clearly, absolutely no defending and vibes only in that squad over in the Czech Republic. They lost that game 6-2, by the way. 6-2, and everybody got booked for taking their shirts off. Fantastic stuff. I believe this is what they call uh, football heritage. (laughs) Football heritage. Yeah, yeah, they lost 6-2. They probably all got red cards taking their shirts off for the second one. (laughs) All right, Nandan, run us through Tuesday, my friend. I'm going to run through these quite literally. That's Uh, all right. You can can take an extra minute or two if you need to. Yep, we're going to go into the Champions League real quick. So starting off with Lazio 1, Feyenoord 0. Uh, no Santi Jimenez ma- magic this time for Feyenoord. Chiro Immobile strikes, and that is enough to settle the difference in Rome. Moving on to Dortmund 2, Newcastle 0. Big result for Dortmund. A bit of bad luck for Newcastle after they had slightly good fortune against Arsenal. They were outplayed in almost all major stats besides possession. Uh, Julian Brandt scored the dagger and hit his trademark one-piece celebration that Connor absolutely loves. I adore loves. it. I adore it. I adore it. Yep. Julian Brandt doing his Trafalgar D Law room shambles <laughs> celebration. It gets me going every time, man. Mm-hmm. It's the best. And it helps Dortmund now top the group of death. Moving on, Red Star uh, 1, RB Leipzig 2. Shabby Simmons scored a beautiful goal, followed by Luis Openda continuing his hot run of form. Red Star pulled one back late with an own goal, but it was too late for them. Oh, yeah. Remember when we asked earlier in the episode, Leipzig pulled it back in the Champions League? Oh, and not? Yeah. Don't worry about it. They did. They, they got did. the result on the road. They actually Star. did this time. And move on with... Man City 3, Young Boys no. Uh Matt Howland buried a penalty that Mateus Nunez won, followed by an absolute belter for City's third on the day. Oh, my god. Phil goodness. Foden was impressive as well and added City's second goal. With that, City and Leipzig both qualify for the round of 16. Connor, any notes real quick before I move on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The the thing I was going to say was that that goal is just the essence of what Erling Holland is as a striker right now. That mm. third goal, just turning with absolutely no space, falling off balance, and rifling it far post side netting. World's longest tapping, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Shakhtar Donetsk won Barcelona nil. Uh, it's a very embarrassing result for Barcelona, who could have sealed their ticket to the knockout rounds. They will now have to play a very hot Porto side. And also important to note, Shakhtar played like prime Barcelona against Barcelona, which is a very uh, fitting way to go. Uh, and finally, Porto 2, Royal Antwerp no. Antwerp once again outclassed in the European stage. Porto were so impressive. Uh, a silly challenge from behind gave them a lead off a penalty. Followed by with oh and Jurgen Eklund 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 Kamp, uh, yeah. getting himself sent yep. off in the second half, uh, along with veteran Jurgen Eklund Thank you, Connor, uh, and veteran defender Pepe. That's a that's an old one, becoming the oldest goal scorer in Champions League history, putting the nail in the coffin. So that is Tuesday. Going over to Wednesday in the Champions League, Bayern Bayern 2, Galatasaray 1. Bayern qualify for the round of 16, and who the hell is shocked? <laughs> uh, Harry Kane put Bayern ahead with a classic striker's header off of a set piece and then scored a second off, uh, while finishing off a beautiful uh, Bayern move. Galatasaray score one late, but not quite a consolation, but enough to put a little fear in Bayern's heart, but absolutely nothing to worry about. I would they say more results. fear in the fans' hearts than Bayern players' hearts. <laughs> Yeah, they looked they looked composed. Go on, um, anyways. Arsenal two, Sevilla nil. Saka's classy finish sealed all three points with the Gunners. Arsenal looking great right now. Eindhoven one, RC Lens nil. Luke de Jong's early goal in the twelfth minute was enough to sell the difference and put a Ooh. little bit of the fire out on the super hot Lens side. Uh, high, we should say in the Champions League a little less so in Ligue 1. Uh, Napoli one, Union Berlin one. Napoli are a good side, but it's Union Berlin who are sort of impressive on this night. Union they- Berlin <laughs> haven't lost. They haven't lost. Yes. Twelve games straight, they've lost, and they haven't lost Ooh, on the road they, in Naples. They can't do it against the worst teams in the Bundesliga, but they see Napoli on the ice. Uh, sure, why not? In <laughs> fact, they had it. They had a very late goal, I believe, ruled offside. So they ah, were their very, fans are absolutely loving it though. To, uh, to a, a famous win in the, in, in uh, Naples. Real Madrid three, Braga nil. 
nil. Holy moly. Bellingham rested with an injury for this game against Braga. That was no problem um, as Ibrahim Diaz came in and he looked excellent. Madrid got a comfortable 3-0 uh, result that walked them right into the round of 16. Uh, Diaz scored a great goal that was ruled out initially and so he said, let me do it again. Scored a great one and then Vinny Jr. and, uh, and Rodrigo showed up for three minutes of excellence to score two goals and absolutely played Braga off the pitch here. Two phrases that are synonymous in life, Real Madrid and Champions League knockouts. Absolutely. Real Sociedad, three. Benfica won five goals in 20 minutes. Now, one was ruled out, and one ended up being a terribly, terribly taken penalty, shattered off the post. But Real Sociedad absolutely were putting Benfica to the sword. Game does not show... show um, uh, how excellent they were. Salzburg nil, Inter Milan won. A late penalty for Latero M- Martinez, which he is not off to miss. Inter book their ticket to the round of 16 and send Real Sociedad through with them, uh, through knocking out Salzburg. Incredible scenes for Sociedad. Let's run through Thursday really quickly before Hunker of the Week. So we had Europa League action. It was West Ham who avenged their loss in Greece from the past week or so, thanks to a second-half winner from Lucas Pacata, who comes to score and dance. They were down on themselves after that game in Greece, clearly carrying another loss into the Premier League. So it's a good turn in momentum for the West Ham Hammers. Moving on, we had Ajax losing 2-0 at home to Brighton. And gosh dang it, there goes another prediction game that I haven't gotten right. And for anybody paying attention, I am really bad at this prediction thing that we're doing. Um, Anyways... Brighton going to Amsterdam and take all three points back to the south coast of England with them. Another prediction game, like I said, that I've gotten wrong. To lose three, Liverpool two was probably the most shocking one from the day. And Liverpool go to lose in Toulouse. They can't seem to buy a win in League One at the moment, but somehow they've gone and beaten Liverpool. A late equalizer was ruled off after Alexis McAllister controlled the ball with his arm in the buildup, and it's a massive result for Toulouse and their fans. Slavia Prague beat Roma 2-0 in the Europa League, and that is a result that Mourinho is going to look on unkindly. No Lukaku magic today for the Roman side. Leverkusen beat Karabag. An injury time penalty saw them win 1-0. They're still unbeaten, by the way, and it's been an insane run for Xabi Alonso. In the Conference League, we had Aston Villa beating Alkmaar from the Netherlands 2-1, getting a big result at home in Europe thanks to Diego Carlos and Ali Watkins' goals. Unai Emerus victorious on another European night. So with all of those quick fire notes being done and gone through, we are going to take it to Honker of the Week, where this week's contestants were the MLS ref that interrupted the final shot in the LAFC and Vancouver game. There was a stadium in Peru that shut the stadium lights off against their rivals to cut their title celebrations short. It was absolute banter of the highest class var reviews from the newcastle game are the final contestant after statements were put out after the game that bruno gamarias retroactively probably should have been sent off however with all of that being said the winner is the mls referee that absolutely trucked a vancouver attacker to deny them an opportunity to equalize and keep their season alive so that was a fantastic clip if you haven't seen it look it up fantastic honker of the week material and we are sorry again to the football is life guys for making an mls clip honker of the week we know that's your territory and we try to stick to europe the best that we can so we are going to move on now and do our predictions at pace for this week's games it's going to be an absolutely spicy one so let's jump straight in chelsea man city i'm saying two nothing man city thomas three nothing man city thomas says three nothing man city nandan you know I have to say, as much as I want to go sensible, uh, I think I got to stay true to myself. So I am going to go 2-1 Chelsea. Okay, Liverpool-Brentford. I'm saying this one's going to be a 3-1 Liverpool win because I need us to get some momentum back because we are not playing well at the moment. Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 Brentford. I can see it. they're giant killers, I think. Nandan? I think 1-1. I think it's going to be a boring game, frankly. All right, Real Madrid versus Valencia in La Liga. That one could go either way. So, what are you guys saying? I'm going to say 1-0 Valencia. I'm going with 3-1 Real Madrid. Okay, I'm saying 2-1 Real Madrid because I think that somehow Valencia are going to make this a very tough game. Moving on, we have Stuttgart versus Dortmund, two potential title contenders in the Bundesliga. I'm saying this one's going to go 3-2 to Dortmund, though. 
Uh, I'm gonna go. I was about to say two two Dortmund. I'm gonna go. Th- I'm gonna go two one Dortmund. I originally had this down as two one Stuttgart, but upon thinking about it, I'm also gonna go two one Dortmund. All right, so everyone's picked Dortmund for that game. Lazio and Roma, Derby Day in Rome, and I say it's going to be an exciting 2-2 draw. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be a boring 1-0 Roma win. I think this is going to be an exciting 3-2 win for Roma with a big Rom brace. Mm. All right. Unfortunately, that is all that we have had time to talk about here in the studio tonight, but we have had so much fun breaking down the chaos from this past week of the beautiful game that we all know and love so dearly. Before we go, a massive thank you and shout out as well to all of our listeners from the United States, Canada, France, Belgium, Germany, the United Kingdom, India, and Azerbaijan who have made our first month on the scene this past October a massive success with over 1,500 impressions made across all social media platforms and over 200 episode downloads total. We are so incredibly grateful and inspired to keep pushing forward and make the show better for you each and every week. So continue spreading the word about the show to your football-loving friends every week and put them on. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. As always, I have been your host, Connor Donovan, joined by my amazing and incredibly talented co-hosts and football friends, Nandan Nair and Thomas Pudiak. And we hope to see everyone right back here next Friday, November 17th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the last show before Thanksgiving here in the States. We're going to do a fun segment about the top three things that we're most thankful for so far this season. So don't miss out next week. That's all for today, though, folks, on Getting a Bit messy